0: Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates, creator of the Cates Academy for Relationship Marketing. In each episode, I interview one of our industry's top performers, getting them to pass on their secrets to success to you so that you can impact more lives and generate more income. Now, on to the show. Welcome, welcome. How would you like to take more time off from work while maintaining or even growing your income? How would you like to receive introductions to qualified prospects from a nearly untapped goldmine of centers of influence? In today's Top Advisor podcast, my special guest and I will be covering these strategies and more. Before we get going, however, I want to let you know about some free resources that I invite you to retrieve after you've listened to today's interview. You'll find checklists, guides, videos, and other tools. Simply go to referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Now write this down unless you're driving. Referralcoach.com forward slash resources. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our weekly tips. We're always sharing best practices and we'll notify you of our newest podcast interviews as they go live. And while these are all free to you, I think you'll find them quite valuable. One of the beautiful things about this business of financial planning, advisory, wealth management, whatever term you use, there is an infinite number of ways to be successful. And while everyone has their own personalized definition of success, I suppose any definition will contain such concepts as revenue for the practice, gross revenue perhaps, income for the advisor and his or her team. Ability to make a difference for their clients. Hopefully that's in your definition of success. Flexibility of schedule. Uh, Ability to take time off from work as much as one might desire. In simpler terms, income, value, and independence. Now, some of my guests on Top Advisor Podcasts run large enterprises with hundreds or perhaps even thousands of clients with 10 or even 20 advisors and a large support team. Other guests have crossed the billion-dollar mark in assets under management, and a small handful of guests have managed to create a great income for themselves while taking an impressive number of days off from work. For example, episode number four features my interview with Peter Oldsey, who has built a referral-only practice that produces over $1 million in annual revenue while taking off from work over 150 days per year. With all of that in mind, I think you're going to get a lot of value from today's conversation with my special guest, Annette Yoder, CFP, CRPS. Annette and her husband, Michael Yoder, with the same designations, are the principals of Yoder Wealth Management, headquartered in Walnut Creek, California. Annette is not one to brag about her success. I had to kind of, it was like pulling teeth for me to get her to brag a little bit. So we'll keep this part pretty simple. Uh, She and her husband run a boutique practice serving about 65 households with complex financial situations. They net in the lower seven figures annually while working only 30 hours per week and taking off 13 weeks per year. I don't know about you, that feels like success to me. Annette Yoder, welcome to Top Advisor Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, it's great to have you. I've been looking forward to this uh, for a long time. So, Annette, you have a a bachelor of science degree in civil engineering. Mm -hmm. You have a a master of science degree in structural engineering, both from the University of California, Berkeley, which, by the way, everybody, that means she's really smart. Uh, I'm extremely curious how you went from, let's say, engineering structures to engineering financial plans.
1: Uh, I think it is uh, a bit funny how our journeys are all so different, how we get to where we are. Mm -hmm. I'm actually an immigrant to the U.S. from the age of seven and come from a long line of engineers. So I think kind of being more left-brained, there's a natural education progression that leads uh, towards engineering, but there was something missing and I even went on to get the professional engineering designation and help design several things but uh there was something missing and I do believe that being a business owner is something some people are just meant to be and I was lucky enough to find that out about myself Uh, so I get to have all the fun of solving the technical aspects of our clients uh, situations but also get to run a business the way we see fit all while working with people and hopefully making a difference in their lives so I uh for me, engineering I feel like was a job, but what we do, I I describe it as a calling. Hmm.
0: So an engineer with people skills. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I, you know, we we make fun of engineers. My brother in law is an engineer. I mean, he absolutely. Reads, he, he reads physics books at night. You know, like you and I, or I might read a novel, novel or something like that. But well, I
1: was helping my thirteen year old with her physics homework last night, so I still find that fun. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. So when I was building, uh, when I was in the process, I should say, of building my writing, consulting, speaking empire. uh, For those listening, I'm using air quotes. I'm using that kind of tongue in cheek, Uh, though we did achieve a pretty good level of success with annual revenues over a million dollars a year, uh, high profit margin, I should say. But I digress. Anyway, I was working. I was working so hard uh traveling so much giving speeches and all that i used to joke that i was definitely not qualified to speak about work-life balance i could talk about client acquisition referrals you name it but not (laughs) work-life balance on the other hand uh you have clearly achieved uh, a healthy work-life balance so let's start with the why what motivated you and michael to put a lot of emphasis on work-life balance
1: uh, I think it's somewhat of a simple answer that's really hard to get to, but mm-hmm. and each person will only be able to answer that answer to, for, for themselves. But for me, it was clarity of intent. Uh, I think right. when you're determined and have an unwavering belief that this is your path, then ev- everything, I'd say even the tough decisions, they just become a little bit less tough. And so the journey towards changing the practice, I mean, it started when we had our first baby, and it turns out I was the night nanny. Um I, I did not have a good work-life balance. Come home, pick them up from daycare, feed them, put them to sleep, wake them up the next morning and repeat. And I, I was really, I was told by the powers that be, if you will, uh, you don't get to choose who you work with, uh, whether you make more or work less. It just doesn't work that way. Mm. And worse, I actually believed it. Uh, I read uh, there's a book called The Power of Story, and, and there are several things that kind of happen all at the same time. But there's a, kind of this anecdote in it where there's an executive who worked his tail off for the benefit of his family. But the story he told himself, the story he lived and the story he told others, they were not in alignment. And all that ended up happening was him not having a good relationship with his kids and his wife leading to the things we've all seen there. And, and really, I feel like I was on that path as well. Uh, so I was determined not to how that be the, the case. And I felt like, why not make more, take more time off and do an even better job for your clients? You, you can do that. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of the clarity of intent. So then when we hit all the struggles and all the tough decisions, uh, we knew to, to do that. Uh, but there was also one more thing in order to make that happen. I really had to set my ego aside. I think as we naturally get more and more successes, it's that much harder to take a step back. Enough of being really frank. Uh, I think there's a lot of people sometimes who want to see you fail if you're you're a little bit uh, getting ahead, mm. and so that that vanity that ego stops us from actually taking a bigger step forward. Uh, so that that was part of the big change that I had to mentally make.
0: This whole concept of the stories that we tell ourselves, uh, in simpler terms, self-talk. Right? We we right. we have this self-talk. We sometimes we say it so much we end up believing it which can often limit us right um and as you were saying in the example we might live different and tell different stories and and different parts of our life and that incongruence really creates a lot of stress I I'm curious was because working with your spouse we're not going to get into a lot of the working with your spouse up here today but uh, how was Michael with this in other words did, did you share that was was one more of an instigator than the other Uh, how did you guys work that out together in your business?
1: Uh, I think each of us bring different strengths and weaknesses, obviously, just like any two partners would, uh, we've been together since I was 17, Mm -hmm. but it was, and, uh, he actually started in the financial business before I did. Uh, but I'll just say I started the practice first and then he went and joined, uh, and joined the practice. And when we did, that was around the time that our, our first was born, um, the short of the answer is, we worked together on this, and we talked it out. And there is a huge benefit to getting to work with your sp- with your spouse, with your partner, because you have these joint goals that you're working towards. And who else would have your best interest at heart than the one you love the most?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, let's hope, right? Well, yeah, and when, and when
1: <laughs> good circumstances
0: exactly, and when they align, I mean, uh, it's funny because I know a lot of folks in my world of speaking. Uh, they have their, sometimes their spouses will work with them uh, and the spouse wants their, their partner home, but yet their job is to get them out on the road speaking. So there's like a disconnect uh, or attention. I booked another gig for you. Oh, but now you're going to be leaving me. My, my wife on the other hand is when are you speaking next? Happy <laughs> to get. Aren't you catching a plane next week or something? Anyway, yeah,
1: so I mean there has it has to be yeah. uh, joint goals and how do you minimize the the conflicts?
0: Yep, and and there's always going to be some because it's never right. a perfect match, but uh, that's life. Uh, so that's a little bit of the why, and I could see having your first child and 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 you know doing the full time gig and then just wanting to be in control of your time and schedule. Uh, it, it's a big why, um, but if we tell ourselves a story that that that's not possible, right? Because someone was telling you a story that it wasn't possible, that we may never actually take that leap of faith in ourselves. But let's talk about the the how a little bit. So um, how you achieve this this level of of balance. I know that you've uh, intentionally kept your practice small while slowly increasing the level of clients you bring uh, into the practice. You said something that stuck with me if my notes are correct, I think you said something like we peeled off a portion of our clients several times. And then later you said we released them with love to be better served by someone else. I think it's a beautiful way to express that. Uh, And yet most advisors struggle with letting go of clients that no longer fit their practice. Uh, And the flip side of that coin is that they also Take on clients that don't fit, so they they can't let go of clients. They take on clients that don't fit. So this is my long way of asking: How have you accomplished this goal of work-life balance? How did you and Michael come to terms with letting clients go? And how do you actually do that? You know, what does that process look like of of uh, you know saying to a client? we release you with love to someone
1: else. I mean, you're breaking up with them, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I first long knowledge, it is not easy. A lot of tears were shed in the process, a lot mm-hmm. of tough conversations with ourselves and with others. Uh, but again, it comes back to that clarity of intent. If you know you're doing it for the right reasons and those right reasons are for them, not for us, uh, then it, it does help get over that aspect of it. Uh, Having said, it, I'll talk through the why uh, I, we are right now really a family office, and there was a time where we had 166 households we were serving, and maybe I would even use serving as a loose term at that point, if you have that many, um, at, at the kind of service we we're looking to provide. Mm-hmm. And I came to the realization that if we took on too many more clients, then our quality may diminish. And in the meantime, we actually wanted to work less hours because we had our second child at that point. Uh, Yet we should be growing. I mean, if you're not growing, you're dying, and you're taught as an advisor, you should always be bringing clients in. Um, so the first step we took is we only would bring on a new client that would be qualifying at our top 10 at that time. So sure. as each time we did that, it would only because we want to make sure that five, 10 years down the road, we weren't having the same conversation with that client. Uh, so that was the first step. And that meant saying no a lot, no, saying no to referrals, uh, having conversations with current clients about who we take on. And I think some people may hesitate to tell a current client, oh, we work with people in this range mm-hmm. and they know they're not there because <laughs> you're their financial advisor. Um, but I find it's not that they don't mind because they understand who you're trying to limit, how many you take on so you can serve them better. And they understand the skill set and knowledge you have and they're thankful that you're you're there for them too uh that second step we took is uh, i could probably spend an hour on the next couple but uh, mm-hmm. to kind of summarize it we identified a firm and i'll say we kissed a lot of frogs uh, it was important to us that we found an external firm not to hire a junior advisor uh, but that external firm who would love our, our clients as much as we did and would take amazing care of them so that gave mm-hmm. us the confidence for why to to transition them elsewhere um, the next part is we, uh, and you'll see this anywhere if you ever look up about reducing the size of your practice about identifying the clients. Uh, but certain things we did is that if if we knew there weren't going to be a fit, a good fit long term, how do you define them? So I would kind of maybe give a couple pointers for anyone who hasn't done this before. If you want to okay. reduce by say twenty households, start with identifying forty potential because you're going to talk yourself out of it. I mean. There's widows on this list. There's the neighbors we grew up next to, uh, people we, someone who showed up at our hospital when one of our kids was born. I mean, you love them uh, wholeheartedly, but you also know, again, they're gonna be served elsewhere better. Um, and so, we also had our staff have a say. Uh, I created one list, and then our, our admin said, "Thanks, but you're missing these people," uh, hmm. because and that staff member was looking out from my best interest and said, they take up so much time and mm-hmm. energy and a negative energy. Um, so I was really thankful to have their input.
0: I, I think that's great. Uh, so so I, I'm going to bottom line this a little bit in, sure. or, or, or where all this comes from, I guess, maybe the principle at hand is what is best for that client or what is best for the prospect that maybe has been introduced to you. It is. And, mm-hmm. Right. If you're not jumping up and down excited to work with them and and you want to do more complicated uh, things uh, with them, etc., then you're not right for them. They're not right right. for you. Right. Lose, lose situation. It is.
1: It is. And and you don't. uh, There are two other things maybe I would mention is that I I kept saying to myself, um, and this comes back to ego. There is a fear that if I got rid of that, then there's an income gap I have to make. Mm -hmm. I work so hard to build this. Could Mm -hmm. I really get. Say goodbye to that income. I had fear that could we really replace them with new clients? Confidence that they would come in, Mm -hmm. Um, and so that that fear and that that ego, uh, they were really in the way. So I had to believe to let that go, and that was a huge step towards towards all of this.
0: I would I would think so. So let's get tactical here for a minute. Um, Kind of two places I want to go. One is all right. You have a client. You've known them for a while. You're no longer the right firm for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to release them with love to another firm that you vetted, which I think is great. Uh, and what does what that roughly that conversation sound like? Um, we've made some adjustments and we want you to get the best possible service and we're no longer working in that arena. Give us a little bit of the words, conversation, just a sense at least.
1: Sure. No, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, I'll start with the fact that we are authentic and truthful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anything other than that, they will see through and, Mm -hmm. and you should be, you owe it to them. Uh, so i can only share what we say and somebody else will have to find their own words of course but yes, uh, yes. we told them you know our, our kids who are for, I mean, right now they're 11 and 13 but as we've made these transitions they're different ages so they'll also use, just use you know eight and six but our kids are eight and six and there's only so many years in our lives over there home with us and we realize if we continue to grow and serve who we are uh we're either not going to be good parents or good advisors. Something's going to have to give. So mm-hmm. we have made a tough decision to reduce the size of our practice. Um, usually I would say by a third or uh, I wouldn't give the number of households, it's usually percentage because they, they want to get a feel. Um, I should also mention that there's no way around it, that somebody is staying and they're not. And mm-hmm. that that's just, just how it is. But if they understand why you're doing it, um, there are times where we we're looking towards working towards more of an, uh, a niche, a niche, depending how you pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, and, and we would explain that we're working towards this niche or we're limiting the number of new clients we take. Uh, and then explain to them that we aren't just throwing them to the wolves. Uh, some important points to make is that we have handpicked someone we feel would be great for them that we would trust with our family and friends. But it's a recommendation. I mean these are adults they can choose who they work with we're not it's not up to us to tell them who they go to right. uh, and so tell them that we are transition them and make sure we take care of that however if that's not who's right for them let's let us help them find that Um, and that there's, there's no footprint on their butt that we're having this conversation (laughs) now, uh, so that whatever they have going on, we can make sure it's completely taken care of before they, they hand over to the other advisor and that we're available after transition. So they know it's not because we don't want to work with them. It's that we need to reduce the number of hours for us to meet our own personal goals, just like we help them support their personal goals.
0: And I, I like the idea that you, um, give a percentage. So they're not going to think it's just them. So that's good. So, all right. So that's one scenario. I like that. Uh, I I could see where that would be difficult. Did anybody has ever any, before I get to the next question, has anybody ever gotten angry? I mean, I could see them be disappointed. Any anger ever come up on all this? So
1: I've had a hundred breakup calls. I've actually counted them. Uh, And of a hundred, I had one. And it actually took me by surprise on who they were. Oh. Uh so I did have one. They didn't take it very well. Looking back, I think I understand why. I think That's it was my good. approach in their particular, but um, yeah, I did have one. It was not pleasant. I st- still have nightmares. <laughs> right.
0: And 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 yet, uh, it still was best for them and best for you. Um and and that and we can rest easy knowing that
1: i think yeah i'll be honest at the end of that i thought okay i made the right decision then
0: well yeah it's per- <laughs> perhaps like it we're just waiting to happen sooner or later maybe all right so the other side of the coin is um you have a client that sends somebody to you
1: uh-huh.
0: and uh and maybe at this point you haven't educated the client who you serve the best these days yeah uh h- how do you handle that
1: Sure. So I would say back, somebody who, let's say, has uh, five million with us refers us down to someone who has two million. Mm-hmm. And so that maybe they referred down or, or worse, they referred up to seven million and it's still not within our the range that we uh, could serve now, best. Now, yeah, they, right. You've gone yeah, to they, 10. They could refer up even, but the point is they're not within that 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 group. Yeah. Uh, and I'll actually use that scenario. So if they they have five and they're someone with seven and, and where we work best and serve best those in the 10 to 50 range. Uh, yeah. So we will let them know a couple of things uh, when they refer someone to us or someone comes to us, we'll send an email saying, thank you for referring so-and-so. Um, we just want to let you know that I haven't had a chance to talk with you about this, but uh, we're really limiting who we take on to make sure that we're able to serve our current clients as best as possible. Uh, so I don't want you to be surprised in case we, we find it's not a right fit for each other, but, but mm-hmm. I hope it is. So okay. they're not surprised. When I talk with a new client, I do let them know uh, who we serve best and what range it is. Not a minimum, that's advisor centric. So a range allows them to give. Um, and I know some advisors are uh, hesitant to give a top range because what if someone with 100 million comes in? But quite, quite honestly, there's going to be a range. No one's it's outside of your, your scope. So you might as well. And it gives a, a much better idea too. Same thing goes when you talk with COIs. Uh, but it, we do let them know for new clients, uh, this is the range we serve best. And when we emphasize that, it allows the framing that that doesn't necessarily mean those who are currently with us uh, have to meet that criteria.
0: Yeah, if that's. I think that's the important thing. Um, you're not going to go to a client and say, uh, George, Martha, uh, we've decided we need to work with people more successful than you. <laughs> uh, pro- probably not a good way to put it. I, I remember yeah. playing golf with my advi- first advisor a long time ago, Larry uh, I'll I'll never forget. I can, I can picture it. We're in the golf cart. We're on a 15th hole of a course called Hobbit's Glen in Columbia, Maryland. And he says, you know, I just want to let you know where I'm doing a lot of work with ultra wealthy. Now I said, that's great. You know, what does what do you mean by ultra wealthy? He says, well, 30 million, 40 million. I said, okay, that's cool. You know, where does that leave me? Mm -hmm. And now we were business friends, right? We weren't just advisor client. I used to introduce him as my financial advisor, golf coach. So uh, he said, "Oh, you'll always be an A client for me. You know that. So it wasn't like we're moving away from you. We're kind of adding on to uh, in that particular case. Um, so what happens? So here's I, I'm, I'm I don't know if this happens a lot, but all right. So you've got a client with seven million, and you don't take them on. The other client has five. I mean, do, do people ever get confused?" I, um,
1: well, I never, they don't know what their friends necessarily have.
0: Well, not sometimes they do sometimes. Sometimes they they do
1: sometimes they don't, but that's just the new clients in order for us to be able to minimize a number of new clients. This is the range we serve best.
0: Yeah. And so they, yeah, I guess that's the, the key phrase is. Um, I, I know I'm getting very in the weeds tactical here, no, but it's but a good I,
1: question. yeah, I
0: know people like to know you know, what do I say?
1: Where do I fit uh, in? Yeah,
0: yeah, it be, well, because that prospect might say, well, i I know my friends don't have ten million. Um, uh, I've
1: had a client say to me, mm-hmm. I know that we no longer would qualify to have you, so I'm glad we're here with you. Uh, they know that. Go. I mean, the analogy is if my, uh, my personal trainer told me they're only going to work with, uh, Olympic athletes now I go, great. I got the guy who works with Olympic athletes. True. I'm thrilled to work someone True. who's, uh, you know?
0: yep. There you go. I, I got it. it, it as it, long it's all...
1: as you're also yeah. continuing to take care of them. If you start taking really bad care of them, shame on you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If they, if they see things slipping, then they're going to just imagine.
1: Yeah, you know, exactly. So you, you've yeah. got to own that.
0: So in a a minute, I I have two more topics I want to address um, because I want you to tell our listeners uh, something I found fascinating, and that is how you tapped into a a center of influence goldmine, I'll call it, with a certain type, a certain segment of estate planning attorneys, which I know some advisors get frustrated with. So I want to cover that, and I also want to uh, have you talk to our folks about your perspective around... Working with both spouses or partners and the types of relationships you build with their children, because uh, that's that's always a, a good conversation to have with, with advisors around how to do that. But first, uh, let's take a brief pause to listen to a word from our sponsor, Pod Rocket Academy, who makes this podcast possible and, I should add, produces this podcast and is in the business of helping advisors launch and run their own podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. Tired of chasing potential clients? We help you spend less time selling and more time advising by amplifying your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit Proudmouth.com to learn more before we continue with this episode i want you to know about our on-demand video-based program that will allow you to learn just about everything i teach related to client acquisition particularly referrals introductions communicating your value and creating productive relationships with centers of influence we offer listeners of top advisor podcast a 200 dollars membership fee reduction to the academy So when you get a minute, head over to the katesacademy.com. That's the katesacademy.com. And then use the coupon code TCA200, TCA200, all one word, and you'll save $200. Also, if you're on this podcast site that accepts ratings and reviews, I'd I'd be grateful if you provide us with a five-star rating and review, if you believe we deserve it. So thank you for that. Uh, our featured guest on this episode of Top Advisor Podcast is Annette Yoder, who is a principal in Yoder Wealth Management located in Walnut Creek, California. All right. So, Annette, most advisors believe that estate planning attorneys should be a great source of introductions to qualified prospects, yet are often disappointed with these folks. Either the estate planning attorneys aren't comfortable making introductions or they do it in a weak way. You know, they give their clients names, three advisors, uh, and, and they don't make a particularly great connection. You and Michael, however, have discovered kind of a goldmine of referral opportunities with a certain type of estate planning attorney. So please tell our listeners what what is working for you in this area.
1: Sure, I'll start with, I will share the frustrations with sole Mm. practitioner type estate attorneys who specialize in kind of the mom and pop, uh, call it the Mad Libs estate plan. Mm. It's a pretty standard and uh, it's basically under the estate tax exemption. They do not consistently refer. Sure, you can get some here or there, but you are spot on. You do not consistently get referrals. There are so many more advisors than there are estate attorneys. You're just not going to. Mm. Uh, So then what do you do? Uh, We do work in the uh, 10 to 50 type space. And so what we did is we reached out to an estate attorney who either also has a specialization in taxation and or they work uh, significantly in the space that's above the estate tax exemption. So if they do CRTs, grats, and gruts on a consistent basis and are incredibly well-versed in it, they are our people. Mm. Uh has several things that happens. Uh, they are unique. They don't tend to be sole practitioners. They are part of a mid to large size firm. They do not market, um, and they don't necessarily have a relationship with a financial advisor. I found they rarely do. Mm-hmm. And so- we, uh, you do have to reach out to them. You still have to do your job. But as we have built the relationships with them, we've made ourselves available to work through cases with them to be a resource for them. We've relied upon them as a resource for ourselves. And you build enough of respect and relationship that you are their person to go to uh, for these unique situations where you are best fit.
0: So to I remember when we were we were discussing this earlier, You you, you said how while the estate planning, the typical estate planning ter- attorneys, solo practitioners uh, that most advisors try to build relationships with, uh, they have a lot of advisors coming their way. They already have rela- relationships in place. Uh, if there's a client that needs an invite, they already have someone to send. But these other folks that you're partnering with, they don't have that. They don't have those relationships that, that will go either way, correct?
1: Yeah, they may know someone. Uh, I mean, they're in the industry; they know somebody, but okay. not somebody they have that kind of relationship with.
0: So, two things: uh, how does how does an advisor that is interested in this strategy identify these people? How, where do you look? Are you are you looking for certain types of certifications?
1: Yeah, so a taxation LLM. So they they okay. should have a and especially because those tend to have that type of level of knowledge and expertise uh but i literally google uh and state attorneys who specialize in crts and charitable remainder trusts grants and threats if they do that you've got it
0: gotcha and fewer uh but but good and then your approach to them is it merely presenting yourself as a resource as a possible clients for them and vice versa are you talking reciprocal What what does that look like? Not
1: necessarily. We're looking to be uh, more of a. We've actually found ourselves sometimes to be more of a business coach with them at times. Uh, mm-hmm. It's amazing how much we learn as financial advisors about how to run a business, how to market, how to get ourselves out there that mm-hmm. they can also learn from. Uh, but, but many of them don't, don't necessarily need that as, as business does come in through their firm. Some of them are responsible for it. You should know that whether they're responsible for bringing business in or not, because um, then you know how to best help them. Uh, but sense. we do reach out to say we we work, specialize in this space and we're we looking for a better partner in that arena. Is this, can we have a conversation and just talk, L- right. learn about them just like you do with any client.
0: Yep. And what does success look like to them and see right. how you can contribute to that in some way. And,
1: and how can I best help you?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, and some of them will shift the tables and say, what can I do for you? And sometimes you have to kind of grab it and say, you know, here's how you might help me, but either way uh, you start with what's with them uh, and not all your credentials and you, 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 and yeah, all you stop t- yeah,
1: do the stop less going. talking. Right. <laughs>
0: and, and I think, w- would you mention the fact that you already work with attorneys like them who do CRTs and, and other, I mean, do you, do you throw in a little lingo and a little, uh, the way you talk that, that they start to see you kind of know their world?
1: Um, yeah. So I, what I have, I'll well, t- tell you what I reached out initially to, to several of them is, while we have had some, while we have worked through uh, CRT's grass and grats with clients in the past, we don't feel like we have a good partner we can rely upon mm-hmm. that we have a relationship with. There you go, and oh, so that's great. what we're looking for. Gotcha,
0: perfect. So we got pretty tactical there, but I know that the folks listening, you know, uh, concept is one thing, and then implementing the concept is the other. Uh, now I, I also coach, interview, speak to many advisors every year, and it's been my observation that the majority of advisors don't do a particularly good job working with both spouses or partners, uh, if a couple is, is involved, and, and even a worse job forming relationships with their clients' children. And I'm curious how you and Michael approach this situation. What works for you, uh, as well as perhaps the challenges you face in working with the, the other partner and, and the children?
1: Well, actually, let me ask you, Bill, since you've uh, talked with so many advisors on this, why do you think other advisors don't do a good job of working with both spouses?
0: Yeah, I think that, um, well, I know exactly. One told me, uh, well, two reasons I've, I've heard. Uh, one is one guy said to me, oh, you know, my client's kids, they're not interested in working with me. They're, you know, they don't want to work with their parents' advisor, All right, That's a story that he tells himself <laughs> that keeps him from looking at those opportunities and what we know is the truth is somewhere in between right maybe some of them don't but others might very well value uh that that relation that's one and the other the main one i guess is they're not a source of revenue uh they don't have the assets they will eventually which so if one's thinking a little longer term uh, or, you know, they're not going to generate the revenue for the practice, I guess. It's a lot of work for a little return, but or at least that's the story they tell themselves.
1: Okay, so let's go to the kids first, and then maybe back over to working with both spouses. Sure. Uh, so what we have uh, is probably going to be an unpopular opinion in the industry, okay. but we actually purposely look not to work with our clients' kids, Okay. but to build a relationship with them. Uh, and I'll explain why.
0: Yes, please. Uh,
1: first of all, again, back, there's a little theme here. Uh, we yeah. don't feel like we're the best people to serve them. And some people say, yes, but our clients want us to work with their kids. That's not necessarily the case. They want their kids taken care of. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the one to do it. Right. And are you really the best person for them? Right. And so we explain that clients are great with that. If we find somebody we love and trust to take care of them, that's wonderful. Um, if we are truly thinking long term, And we have a relationship with the kids anyway, which I'll get to how we do that. Uh, Then, and they feel like you're the best advisor because you specialize in that uh, at that level of assets, then they'll come back to you. They know who you are, they'll know that where they want to work with you. And if they didn't, that was never going to happen anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, whether or not. So, uh, as far as building a relationship with uh, their kids, we do so because we want to. And, and, and that, that deep desire to build a relationship with their kids shows through as opposed to doing so for a business purpose. Mm -hmm. In other words, Hey, if the parents die, we want to have the keep assets with the kids. Um, To be frank, there's a lot of kids we don't want to work with. And I think many advisors may say this, and there's some that we would love and do anything for, Mm -hmm. and yet still they wouldn't be the right people for us to work with for whatever reason. Mm Um, so we actually don't. and It actually reduces significantly the amount of time. We'll do pro bono things, like uh, especially if they're like in their 20s, uh, they need help with the 401k plan or whatever it might be. We are there for them. We're happy to answer those questions. But once they need a more engaged advisor, we ha- we we owe it to them to refer somebody else. Hmm.
0: And and so and you get to know the children, but it's, is it more of an, a, a social way? Uh, how, I mean, it's more
1: is, of a, it's not necessarily their finances, uh, but see. it is on a personality. It, it's a relationship base. Yeah.
0: So what are they into? What's important to them? How can you contribute? How their in jobs way? are
1: doing, how their relationship is. Right. Absolutely.
0: Interesting, interesting.
1: They got a new that, dog, I, you know, cause again, we care to know. <laughs>
0: Well, I think that's great. Uh, it's important to your clients, and we know that money intersects every aspect of one's life. So, mm. children's a piece of it. Uh, so, you want to know what's important to them. Yeah, uh, and that money
1: and- is just a reflection of one's values.
0: Yes, yes. Let's m- move to this the the partner, the spouse, the partner. Yeah. Um, what about that? I mean, you know, some sometimes one 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 of the partners this takes the lead in the relationship and the other one isn't involved at all, or sometimes evolved a little, which we know in the long run, isn't usually a good thing, but but how do you deal with that?
1: Uh, I think if you already have that kind of relationship, it's hard to go back and change up, but there are ways. So we try to have it start off on the right foot in the first place, Um, because we're not just talking about investments. We're not just talking about uh, money. We're We just, so we're talking about values. We're talking about what's important in their lives. That is something that both spouses should be highly engaged in that conversation. We will acknowledge that there's aspects of it that one one spouse may like more than the other. And so we'll even say, okay, we'll leave that part towards the end. Uh, So-and-so, if you want to drop off, feel free or stay on, that's okay. Mm -hmm. But they're engaged on 80% of the rest of the conversation. Uh, And sometimes they couldn't get off the the call fast enough if they need to. And, And sometimes they go, no do want to stay. Um, if there's one that happens to know less than the other, we will offer a specific time to go one-on-one on a deep education. So they maybe they won't know as much, but they can at least have a better seat at the table. Um, I will say that, and maybe this is from the female point of view, uh, but we have had many clients come to us and say, you know, our advisor, uh, they took care of us. We had a great relationship. They had our best interest at heart. All the things we think about ourselves with our clients. But um, and I'm going to go a gender uh, stereotypical here, but they'll, they will usually it's the husband that will say, "I don't feel like the male advisor listened to my wife or had a good relationship with her, mm. and she didn't feel heard." Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, I want to have somebody that, if anything happens to me, she has somebody.
0: Wow, well, well, that's nice.
1: Um, and, and and I know it's harsh to kind of hear or even say. At the same time, we hear it a lot. Um, so something's happening out there where. And the guy sometimes will say, I don't feel like I have a space to say, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of that first meeting, if you're not asking a lot of the tough questions, I would recommend it. Even questions like, how's your marriage? Mm. How's your relationship with your kids? Uh, we, you know, th- this is a human thing we're dealing with. Um, and we, we want to get to know them on a, on a very deep and personal level.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I could. Can... I could see that someone might be taken aback a little bit, but.
1: I don't think so. I would challenge that.
0: Well, and probably if they're they're coming to you for a referral anyway, so it's probably they already have a little bit of a heads up and maybe even it's why their friend is is mentioning you to them, right? These folks, you know, Annette and Michael take a, a broader, more comprehensive approach. Be ready for that perhaps. I don't know.
1: And you have, as long as you're framing it, I mean, if we know yes. you well, then we're able to help you that yes. much better. We we can anticipate your needs. That's it. Uh, that's I haven't right. had a single person to say, no, I, I don't want to share my, uh, what's important to me with you.
0: I, I think that it's all about how you frame it at the very beginning. Um, and I think that also if they, if they don't like the way you're framing it and they don't want to go there, then they won't become a client. Exactly. And, and They're fine. not a good
1: fit. And I not tell a them good that, fit. Right. Yeah, we do an intro call ahead of time. And I'll, and I'll say, we'll have a lot of personal questions. We might get to know you better than your kids do. So, mm-hmm. and they go, okay.
0: And if that makes <laughs> someone feel uncomfortable, they'll hang up. Honey, I don't think we're going to meet with them.
1: <laughs> yeah, and to this day, I have yet to have anyone go, gosh, I how dare you want to know more about right. me? There you if you And they usually come back and say, uh, because each of the husband and wife or partners will be able to share this. It's questions they have not heard the other one say in many years or answer questions. And so many times they'll say, Oh, I didn't know that.
0: So financial therapists, um, to some degree, I suppose. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Well, I love this because we got into some things we don't often get into in my interviews with, with other advisors. So I, I appreciate you for that. Uh, our featured guest today has been Annette Yoder founder and principal of Yoder wealth management. Annette, thank you so much for being my guest on top advisor podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: To you, the listener of this podcast, may I ask you a favor? If you like this episode or like the podcast in general, please leave a five-star review on the platform you're listening to this show. Not all platforms have a place for reviews, but if yours does, I'd be grateful. Thank you. And if you haven't already, head over to referralcoach.com forward slash resources to sign up for our weekly tips and access a ton of free guides and scripts. This is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. Only acting on those ideas will bring you the success you desire. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for listening to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I encourage you to visit my website, referralcoach.com, for links to my books, online courses, and to register for the Cates Academy.